Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So I'm going to ask my lovely wife to come up, and we're, uh, we started a, a message series last Sunday called What Happy Couples Know. And this is based on some uh, curriculum that we got from a, a church called North Point Church a while back, and then also some books, and then just some life experience. So uh, this is about relationships. Now, we're not saying we're experts, because as I said last week, we're still learning. Uh, all of us are still learning, but we're going to talk about relationships, about wa- marriage relationships, dating relationships. So some of you may say, well, I'm in high school, this doesn't apply to me. It absolutely does, because hopefully eventually you want to find somebody to be married to, Right. Learn now. Uh, if you're single, learn now. If you're married, <laughs> keep learning because it's a learning process, right? So, oh, yeah, Amy needs Mike. She can't yell all the way to the internet. <laughs> We're going to do three, Jared. So uh, this is what this series is on. So last week we kind of laid some groundwork, right? We talked about that all of us come into marriage with a box, we come into relationships with a box, right? And this box contains our hopes and our dreams and our desires for marriage. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, and then we're going to get really practical. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I typed it wrong on the screen. It's verse 21, not verse 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Now in the passage before this, Paul says, Give thanks in everything. And so then in this verse, he says, and further, because it attaches to give thanks and everything. But he says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What was that word? Reverence. And submit. Okay. We're going to talk about that, Dino. Submit is a word that we don't like in America. (laughs) We do not like saying submit to anybody or anything because we're Americans and we're free, right? Here's that word, submit. Submit for wives... In verse 22, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Don't throw anything yet, okay? Don't throw stuff at me. We're going to get here. (laughs) I know some of you are getting ready, like I'm going to chuck something to him. Hold on. Submit to your wives as to the Lord. For husbands, the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, you wives submit submit to your husbands in everything. We'll get there in just a minute. And we're going to pick on the men too, so it will be equal here in a moment. But... So, and then one more passage, it's not on the screen, but it says, husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray you would speak to us today, speak through us today. Uh, Challenge our hearts today. Grow our relationships with you and with one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about a box. We said that all of us come into relationships with a box. And we had a prop last week. It was a box. It said hopes dreams and desires on it. And we had some different props in here, some different things. But all of us come into marriage with some desires that we've collected over the years, right? When we're young, we kind of dream of what marriage is going to look like. We, and then as we get older, we kind of have these expectations of what marriage will be and what our spouse will do and what we'll do. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying don't have dream list for your marriage because we all need that. I know when I met Amy, she had a written list of stuff she wanted in a husband. And they were like very detailed <laughs> what she wanted in a husband. 
And I just wanted a girl. You know, I didn't care. But I mean, she wanted, she had, I'm kidding, I did have expectations. But she had, she had this list of what she wanted. And these, these expectations come from different places, these hopes and dreams and desires. Sometimes they come from things we've seen. I saw a relationship that I wanted it to look like. Or maybe I've seen a movie and I hope my spouse does that. Or maybe I've read in a book, I want this. And so, but when we give them to our spouse, they feel a lot like expectations. And an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in a future. So, and here's the thing, guys. We don't necessarily say when we're little, I just hope I become the person my future spouse needs. We never say that. What do we say? I want to find the perfect person for me. I'm looking for that perfect person for me. We're not working on ourselves. We're working on this. There's a joke I love. I hope I don't offend you with this joke, but it's a joke. There's an Amish family. And they lived out, you know, in the Amish community for years. And so they had a teenage son, a husband, wife, and a teenage son. They said, I want to take this kid to town to show him kind of why we separate from all these things. So he left his wife in the wagon, the carriage, and he took his son into a mall. And so they're walking around looking at all this stuff. And they see these metal doors that slide shut. And then they open and people go in and they slide shut. And his kid said, Dad, what is that? He's like, I, I don't know. And so they kind of watch and this little lady in a walker kind of scooted up and these doors open and... She rolled in, and the door shut, and they saw these numbers above go up, and they came back down, and when the wall opened up, this beautiful brunette walked out. The kid said, Dad, what is that? He said, I don't know, but go find your mom. Like, <laughs> scoot over on this side of the chair. <laughs> but what are we looking for? When we have these hopes and dreams and desires, they are all about who? Me. These hopes and desires are all about me, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, what I want in a marriage, what I want my spouse to do in marriage, right? And when we decide to get married, we hand these desires to our spouse, and then they turn into something else. <laughs> you did not go over the joke. It's a surprise. expectations are. And our expectations, you know, a lot of times are things like you said, we either find things in other people's marriage when we're growing up that we want that, or we see things that we say, I don't want that. And so through that, we start making that list of what we want in a spouse. And that's really what my list was, is I had a um, girl in my dorm that said, um, she said, you know, write everything out. And not that it's like I want them to, you know, be tall or I want them to be whatever. But, like, my number one on my list was I want them to have a strong relationship with God. That no matter what, they are going to be the leader of our house. And so that was, you know, things I looked for and things, you know, different things through church families that I saw growing up that I wanted that or I didn't want this or my friends' homes that I went to. And so that's really how I shaped and created my list of what I wanted in a spouse. And so sometimes those expectations, though, can be overwhelming. If I didn't pass that list to Rex, Rex didn't know I had that list. We talked about it years later. It's not that I said, okay, can you check these things off? And there were some things on that list that I thought were important that as I got to know Rex and as we got into our relationship more, I realized like that wasn't important to me, that actually because of other things, we were stronger because of it. And so um, we have to be careful that we don't expect too much from our spouses or from those relationships that we have. 
Um, either way, we try to shape our future of our relationships by expecting our spouse to just go along with what we want. And we have to be able to give them room to be who they are. And even if that's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance or a spouse, whatever it is, we have to give them room to really be themselves and let God mold them and not put so much expectations on them. Um, a lot of times, you know, in relationships, it's I'll do this if you do this, you know. And so we come expecting, always expecting something. Um, a relationship built on like a debt and debtor, debtor cycle will kill trust and it kills intimacy. So a lot of times we see couples that, you know, I won't do this with them because they won't do what I want them to do or things like that. And so then it becomes more of like a debt and debtor type thing. Or you owe me this um, and this, you know, you owe me this because I did this for you. Or um, this is what the men and women do in relationships is just it's an always I owe you, you owe me type thing. And if we build our relationship on these kind of things they can't last. And I'm not saying don't have expectations for your spouse, what they're going to be, but we have expectations about what we want our spouse to do for us. And when we start doing that stuff, it, it has this dynamic that Christian marriages can't be built on. It's this debt-debtor. So you know when a lot of couples really start struggling, was they, they start having resentment because they're not doing what I want them to do for me. We see this. People say, well, they're not, they're not doing what I think they should do, but this person at work will. And what happens is affairs happen. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to go destroy my marriage today. Well, most people don't. There might be a few, but most don't. Most marriages start falling apart because of this exact thing. I expect my spouse to do this. I expect her to keep the house clean and she's not. So I'm going to withhold affection from her. Or I expect him to mow the yard every week or whatever it is and they're not so I'm going to start resenting them I'm going to start holding that against them and and Christian marriages can't be built on that it's not a code of conduct Christian marriages guys are not built on a code of conduct they're built on mutual submission there's that word mutual submission and last week we said that Andy Stanley has this quote he says a healthy Christian marriage is a submission competition it's both partners trying to run to the back of the line I want to submit to my spouse. I want to serve my spouse. And when I do that, it makes it easier for her to serve me, right? And when we serve one another out of love, as we submit to one another out of love, it's an incredible cycle. But when I say, I expect you to do this, you owe me this, stuff starts falling apart. And Jesus gave this incredible command um, at the Last Supper. And I'm going to let Amy share this. So at the Last Supper, Jesus gave the disciples a new command. Just before he goes to the cross, Jesus gives the disciples a new way to live. In John 13, 34, he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So this is a huge moment because Jesus, um, because Jesus had the Jewish laws. Um, there were so many Jewish laws. It was like 600 plus laws that they were expected to follow. But Jesus like narrows it down into two. The, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So he took everything that they believed and just, it's simple. Love each other. Love one another. Um, so they were to love others just as he had loved them. And Jesus could have gone around the table and reminded all of them um, where they were when they met him and what he had done for them. 
but instead he just loved them and showed them his love. And Anley Stanley says that um, the golden rule is to treat each other how we want to be treated. The platinum rule is to treat people the way God treated us. So that's huge in your marriage if you can take that. And something else I was thinking about was as parents, as we respect each other and we have um, good expectations on each other but also give grace, then our kids begin to see that. And our kids learn that through our relationship. I mean, most of you know, I mean, we can say, I'm mom, and that's why you have to do it. But they're a lot more willing to do things for us if we show them love. And so I think as we show each other love, as you show each other love in your marriage, your kids and your grandkids are going to be more receptive to listen and do those things also. So I think it kind of just sets the whole balance for your house. It does. And one of the best things we can do for our kids is have a good marriage. And if we're not married, to show our kids what a good relationship looks like. I know my parents divorced when I was 12. And you know what the most awkward thing for a teenage boy is when your mom starts dating. I was like, whoo, you know, like, uh, your mom, you, you know. And so my mom would say, yeah, I found this guy. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do with that, right? I mean, how is that even, this is the weirdest thing. And if she would have come home from a date, I was like, so where have you been? You know, that kind of stuff she did with me. Um, but <laughs> as his mom and stepdad are probably they're watching, watching right now, now, probably my mom's probably like, what? I'll get a message later. <laughs> but you know what was helpful? What was healthy is my parents, my mom and my stepdad got married and they showed me what a Christian relationship was supposed to look like. And it didn't start out that way. They didn't give their hearts to Christ until after they got married. But they started to show me what they looked like, and it gave me some expectations for my marriage later on down the road. So it's funny, like my kids, our kids are at the age now that I flirt with Amy and I get the teenage eye roll, you know, and they'll be like, ugh. But I said, you know, this is good for you. You're going to want this later on, right? So Jesus took this rule. It says, I'm giving you a new command, love each other as I've loved you. Then Paul, years later, takes this commandment and he contextualizes it to everyone in every situation. And he applies this even in marriage. So check this out. Last week we talked about four things that happen when our expectation boxes collide. And there were four unhealthy things. If you weren't here, you can watch the video or you can listen to it online. But we said when we, our expectations collide with our spouse's expectations, we can do four things. We either try to convince our spouse that their way is wrong and our way is right. Is that healthy? No. We can try to convict our spouse. Well, you shouldn't be doing that. You owe me this. Again, not healthy. We can try to control our spouse. We try to beat them into submission, <laughs> right? Through time, you will do what I say, you know, and is that healthy? No. That leads to resentment. Or we try to coerce them into doing what we want. Or we conform. Well, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Can that last? No. Or we, we compromise. And compromise is a good thing in marriage. Amy can't watch Marvel movies all the time or Star Wars movies all the time. I have to conform and, and not conform, I have to compromise and watch something that she would like sometimes and not make gagging noises. I've had to learn how to do that, right? And so, but if you compromise your entire life, it leads to this just kind of dead marriage. So we're going to show you the fifth thing. We said last week there's a fifth thing that's really healthy, and we're going to show you that today. Um, and this is where Paul goes in this, he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And, you know, women always ask me, Pastor, why does it say submit, but they don't have a, they don't tell guys to do this thing? 
Well, actually, this submission is applied to both because Paul says, submit to who? In the verse before that, to one another as to the Lord. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then he says, husbands, love your wives. And so this was a game changer because in Paul's day, men had legal authority over their wives. And men had legal authority over their kids. They were almost property. They weren't property, but they were treated as property. Husbands had a legal obligation to protect their wives. They had a legal obligation to cover them. But Paul goes on and says, men, don't just protect your wives. Submit to them. And men said, what? That's, no, that's not how the game's played. That's not. He totally changed everything. And so, guys, to have a healthy marriage, when our boxes collide, the best thing we can do is mutually submit to one another. Last week we said, what does my spouse owe me? Nothing. My spouse owes me nothing, but what do I owe my spouse? Everything. And when both couples do that, both, both couples don't have two couples. When both spouses submit to one another, mutually submit to one another, and love one another as Christ loved the church, it's an incredible thing. And so Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, don't just look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. So guys, when we submit to our spouse and they submit to us, it's an incredible cycle that builds love and trust. So this really like messed with their minds then because Paul had just completely thrown off what they had learned and what they had believed. So it just, um, it just disrupted their assumptions. So Ephesians 5.25 says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's love. So Jesus taught the men that they were to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And this was very eye-opening to them because that meant sacrificially. So they had to love their wife sacrificially. And that wasn't something that they were used to because they were looking at it more as an ownership relationship. So this really kind of blew their minds. Um, they were now responsible for that sacrifice for their wife. Their responsibility for their wife didn't, it was just different. It looked different. It wasn't, um, it wasn't quite what they were used to. And Jesus was the first to call women equal to wives. So at that point, when he told them that they were equal, then it brought more value to that relationship and more value to their wives. So Jesus, um, or Paul came along and told the men to treat their women with extraordinary value. And that was just huge because it was something they just, they had to learn and they weren't used to and just very mind-blowing to them. So this brings up a huge question, guys. And this is kind of the point of the whole thing. Last week, our, our huge point was that I owe my spouse everything, but I should expect nothing in return. So today we're going to talk about this question of value. Jesus was the very first person to ever give women value like that. And if for no other reason, women should follow Jesus because of that. Because he gave them value. And who were the first people at the tomb after the resurrection? Women. Who were people who supported Jesus' ministry? Women. Because he supported them. He gave them value. So when Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, he's asking a question of value. So the religious leaders love to try to catch Jesus in a trap, right? 
They were always asking him questions to try to get him to say something that they could use to kill him because he was messing up their system. And in Jesus' day, men, we said, had legal authority over women. They had legal authority over their kids. And a guy, if he got frustrated with his wife, he could divorce his wife simply by saying, I divorce you three times. All he had to do, there's no paperwork, there's no alimony payment, none of that stuff. He just had to say, I divorce you three times. And it could be over something as silly as burning the toast. They didn't have toast back then. But if they did, you know that. Or if she forgot to take the laundry out of the dryer and, and got frustrated. Or if she backed the car into something. I mean, they didn't have cars either or dryers. But you know what I'm saying? It could be anything that frustrated the guy. He could say, I divorce you. And so the religious leaders came to Jesus to try to trap him. And they said this. Uh, <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, it says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that in the, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And this is what explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and they two are united into one. And since they're long, longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Jesus said, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But this was not what God had originally intended. And I'll tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. So the big point here, he says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So Jesus here is giving value to women. He's saying you can't just treat them as property anymore. You can't just do it because I value women. And so basically he's saying, you know what, if you want to divorce your wife, just go home and love her. Go home and love her like God loves the church. Go home and love her as you're supposed to. So men, Jesus, or Paul said women should submit to their husbands, but he's also saying husbands should submit to their wives and love them sacrificially. That means giving up that. So it's a question of priority. So oneness in marriage is putting your spouse's needs before your own. Um, always thinking about how things will affect them or what can I do to serve them and love them. Um, it's mutual submission to one another. It's hard to mutually love if our box is full of our own expectations and feeling that our spouse owes us. So if I'm so worried about what I expect in my marriage or what I expect from my spouse, I kind of miss the other things that they do. And so we have to be really careful not to do that. And it's putting value on our spouse the way that Jesus does. So we're supposed to love our spouse the way that Jesus loves us. And if we really think about that on a daily basis, it really changes our relationship. When every day we wake up realizing, like, this person that woke up next to me or is waking up next to me or still sleeping, whatever, that person next to me is a gift from God. And I think, like, we try to remember that a lot, just like God, God gave me you. And so because of that, I need to respect you and love you. We think about that with our kids. We always think of our, our kids being a gift from God, and we always talk about how God gave us our children, and, you know, our main goal is to raise our children and love them and teach them to love others, and that's how it is with our spouse. So this all comes down to a question of decision. Am I going to decide to mutually submit to my spouse? I'm going to, am I going to decide to love my spouse the way Jesus loves them? And I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here. We hear people all the time that get divorced because of irreconcilable differences. That's the word they use. We just can't get along. Or I'm just going to leave my spouse because they're not meeting my needs. But when we marry somebody, we say, you are the one for me, right? 
And we hear people say this all the time, well, they just weren't the one for me. Well, you married them, so now they are. <laughs> they are the one for you now. And so, and I know that sounds harsh, but guys, compatibility is not something that we find. Compatibility with our spouse is something that we build over time. Thank you. Yeah. It's something that we build. We grow. You know, when Amy and I first got married, we had two separate lives, right? And when you get married, what happened to those two separate lives? They become one. And it's not this. It's usually, and then eventually you get here, right? Those of you who've been married for a while can tell you the first couple of years are hard. You know, you're in that, oh, and then eventually you're like, you're driving me crazy, right? But then eventually you get to this point, of, and how do you get there? How do you get to that point where you are, because Jesus says they leave their father and mother and they cling to their spouse and the two become what? One. And that's why Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Because it takes time and it's a decision. I choose to submit to my spouse. So what does that look like? Well, it means I'm going to put her needs above my own. And she's going to put my needs above her own. And when we do that, when we start meeting each other's needs, it's a whole lot easier to love each other, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier to respect each other. It looks a lot better. It feels a lot better. Life goes a lot better. So instead of just saying, I'm just going to let you have your way so that there's peace in the house, you're saying, I'm going to put your needs above my own. And they should say, yeah, I'm going to put your needs above my own. And guys, I've talked to people I've talked, who just get run over by their spouse. And they'll come in and say, I just don't know what to do. I say, why do you let them do that? And they say, it's just what? It's easier. It's just easier to do that. It's easier to let my dreams die for our marriage. It's easier to, no. Submit to one another. Love one another. Put their needs above your own. And so when that happens, we choose that we're going to be all in for our spouse. It's a choice I have to make. It's not something that comes naturally. Marriage is not natural. You know what's natural? Wanting my own way. That's natural. That's how we're born. Try to take a sucker from a two-year-old. What happens? Drama city, right? And it's the same way all through life. We all have that innate desire to be selfish, but we must choose to mutually submit to our spouse. And you may be in a spot and say, Pastor, my spouse doesn't submit to me. Well, submit to them first. Love them first. Put their priorities first. And I'll tell you, this was a game changer in our marriage. When we figured out, I'm going to put your needs before mine. I'm going to look out for your best before mine. And then we started doing that for one another. And guess what happened? Our marriage got a lot better. We were a lot happier. Do we still fight? Absolutely. Do we still argue? Absolutely. <laughs> Do we still have differing ideas sometimes? Absolutely. But we choose to put one another's needs first. Sorry, I keep taking her side of the table here. Uh, we keep putting their needs first, right? We figured out she can have five blankets on her side of the bed, and that's okay. I don't have to. I got her one of those like 30-pound weighted blankets, and she's happy. <laughs> like, and I don't have to have it on my side. It works. We figured out how to do that. I put her needs above my own, and she put her needs above mine. Her cold feet stay on her side of the bed. It's awesome. <laughs> so, guys, it's a choice. And I know we're, we're trying to make it funny, but this is a big, big deal. So we've learned that my spouse owes me what? Nothing. But I owe them everything. I owe them all my submission. And I'm going to mutually submit 
to them. And I'm going to start by putting their needs above my own. And guys, when that happens, an amazing thing happens. We start loving each other as Christ loved the church, right? We start submitting to one another. We start putting their needs above our own. And it becomes a beautiful thing. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. You got anything else you want to add? I was just going to add that I think it's important that we open up to our spouse about what our needs are. We can't expect them to know. And I know like our first couple years of marriage, that was like a struggle because there were things I needed or he needed, but we just assumed that you should know that. You're married to me. You should know what my needs are. And I think it's just very important to have that open conversation because I know even as our kids grow and we get into different parts of our life, those needs even change a little bit more. And so that's just what we really had to work on because I just expected that he knew what I needed. And that wasn't always the case. That's good. So we're going to pray today, but I'm going to give you some homework this week. I want you to go home. If you're married, I want you to go home and ask your spouse, what's in your box? And if they weren't here, you probably have to explain it. But what's in, what are your hopes and desires and dreams? What do you dream about for our marriage? If you're dating, go out and ask your, your dating partner, hey, what are your hopes and dreams for marriage? And they may say, well, we've only been on one date. Okay, don't do that. But if you're in a serious relationship, you're dating a long time or you're engaged, ask them, what are your dreams for marriage? What does that look like? What does it look like down the road? What do you see us in 10 years or 20 years? What do you see? What kind of marriage do you want? And it's amazing when we actually stop and listen what we find out, right? It's amazing when we sit and listen to our spouse. What's your dream for us? What's your dream for our kids? What's your dream for our retirement? So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning that you designed this amazing thing called marriage where a man and woman will leave their parents and be united to their spouse and become one. And then eventually have kids and have grandkids and have this incredible thing. But Lord, I know it's hard. And I know our, our culture has made marriage out to where it's not that important, but we know it's, it's vital to good families. And Lord, I pray you help all of us today to, to let go of some of those expectations and start to serve our spouse if we're not married, to, to begin to become that person that our future spouse will need to be a blessing to them. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have a relationship with Christ like you've talked about. I've never, I can't have a Christian marriage because I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but I'd like to do that. I'd like to have him come in and, and change my life and transform my life. If that's here, would you slip your hand up right where we're at? We want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, and we're just going to repeat it out loud. This is nothing magical. This is simply you talking to Jesus, and we're doing this for all the people online that, that we can't see raise their hands. I'm going to say this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross in my place. And I admit that I've sinned. I've messed up. Please forgive me. Come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you are a brand new creation, a brand new person. All the old is gone. 
and the new is here. So if you prayed that prayer, would you come talk to one of us that's up here? If you're online, would you just send us a message? We want to get a gift to you. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to be better at submitting to my spouse. Or I'm not married, but I want to be better at submitting to my future spouse. Would you just raise your hand? I don't mind's up. <laughs> it's a learning process all the time. So we're going to sing a, a song here to close out. I'm just going to ask you to take some time to say, Lord, would you help me to submit to my spouse? If you're here today with your spouse, you can grab hands and pray with them. Uh, just say, Lord, help me to love them the way that you love them. 